with with the Instagram medium, you know, I'm I'm kind of pulled in different directions. Yeah. Um, because I have partnerships with a number of companies. Yes. And that I feel good about. Yes. There's a long there's a history to each of them. Yeah. And it's actually about relationships between people mm-hmm. uh, first. Hey guys, welcome to the Overcome Cafe, tales of mind, body, and relationships. The one and only podcast that serves as a guidepost for driven people trying to reach their goals while keeping a healthy lifestyle. Are you an athlete or a professional who's considered driven but feels that this sometimes comes at a cost? Do you want to reach your goals but want to maintain a healthy lifestyle? Having a purpose and being goal-driven is like a marathon where making small changes gets you closer to your finish line, especially in competitive fields such as sports, arts, business, or professionals. In sharing our knowledge, we want to encourage folks by helping them build momentum via our collective wisdom. This is the Overcome Cafe, tales of mind, body, and relationships with your hosts, Matt Search and LP Landry. Hey guys, I'm LP Landry and welcome to this week's episode. Um, We chose episode two to be entitled The Prequel to a Collaboration Part 2 with our guest, Matt Search. Man, this week we're in for a treat with Matt. He shares about the impact of relationships on his professional life, his life as a partner, his life as a a father, and as well uh, the impact of relationships in his decision Uh, with the partnership he makes with his sponsors. As a therapist, I love to challenge my clients, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a tidbit this week. Um, Matt and I agree in this episode that we should work together, so I would like to challenge you to find a moment in this episode where we agree upon it. We think this is such a great working relationship that we agreed to be co-hosts together. So hang on, guys. You're in for a treat. Thank you for joining us in the Overcome Cafe, Tales of Mind, Body, and Relationships. Nice. So so actually, like the start of my transition, taking up road racing in any form, yeah. was since my daughter was born. Wow. Um, and it was in part because I was a parent. Yeah. And I couldn't just go screw off and ride mountain bikes for yeah. a day. Yeah. And ride a total of three hours over 10. Yeah. <laughs> If I was going to ride bikes, I would need to be riding bikes the whole time. Yeah, that's, that's it. And, and so I also found, um, I know I'm straying from the photography theme, but... Oh, no, uh, it's okay. While We're, at school... Yeah. Um, And yeah, so we did communications, art history program. Like I studied, you could say I studied photography in the history mm-hmm. of photography. Yeah. Right. And so I related that to myself. Part of the dynamic was when I had various crashes and took uh, concussions mm-hmm. or had mm-hmm. concussions, mm-hmm. Um, my memory was affected. Yeah. And I already had uh, an underlying issue with memory. Mm. I had a, a sort of a working memory sort of issue. Yeah. So I, I'm not somebody who retains... Uh, numbers well, names well, that kind of data. Yeah. I'm somebody who retains ideas, concepts. I'm really good with mechanical things, visual memory, mm-hmm. those kinds of things. I didn't understand any of that through school. Yeah. And so when I was young in school, I thought I just sucked at school. Wow. Uh, and so it wasn't, yeah, so it wasn't until like the only, the first glimpse that I was actually maybe smart 
was in grade 12. Mm-hmm. I was doing OAC English, yeah. uh, which is fifth year English for those who are, who are not from from old uh, uh, Ontario. <laughs> and, um, and my professor referred to me as the deep thinker. Uh, we were doing Shakespeare wow. stuff and I was like kind of the most analytic or whatever in class at that time. I was a little younger uh, and, and I'd never been referred to that way. Mm-hmm. I never thought of myself that way. I thought of myself as a hockey player mm-hmm. and then a mountain biker. Wow. I didn't think of myself as an intellectual person or a brainiac or a nerd or anything like that. I was very much a, a sports person. Yeah. That was kind of like the kind of person. That's your identity at that yeah, point. That was it. So he says this and I go, oh, that's interesting. Then also that year I had moved to live with my mom. Mm. And so hockey was over and all that. I used my bike to get around to school, to co-op. So Ottawa South, downtown, back to Ottawa South for volleyball, back home, uh, holding on to trucks, you know, to go yeah. up hills because I was so tired all the time <laughs> and all that jazz. And my mom said to me, uh, you're, you're 16, like you're old enough to be responsible for what you need to do for school. Mm. So I'm not going to be telling you what to do. Wow. And I took that and I said, uh, hell yeah. Yeah, I'm going to do my work the way I want to do it when I want to do it. And then I started doing a lot better in school. So I went from doing, you know, whatever, you know, the odd A here and some B's and whatever and some C's to more like across the board A's kind of killing it in classes like English or whatever, where it's more sort Mm -hmm. of, you know, analytical. Yeah, Um, of course. And and I really like I I turned a corner and it was just me doing work uh, at home you know, whatever time of day worked around me riding my bike and doing yeah. whatever else and working and doing those things. And so I realized, holy shit, like I actually thrive when I'm in the driver's seat more yeah. versus being told you have to be doing schoolwork for six hours every day and there's or else the, you're in trouble. There's another characteristic of a driven person. I, I guess, I think yeah. so. Po- like post hoc, yeah. I, when I look back, I think, I guess I'm the kind of person who needs to feel that they're calling the shots about how the work's being done and when mm-hmm. it's being done. Uh, I know, like, I know my motivation. Yeah. Like, I do, th- I tend to only do things for a reason. Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't always understand the reason. Hmm. But and I, I think w- I generally do. Probably a driven person is the probably a balance between having a lot of emotions. Yeah. But being able to have them produce something. Yeah. So when you look at it, yeah. like, and I'm listening to your story and it's like the therapist in me is all, it never totally leaves. Of course not. Uh, so we're doing an history right now and it's there th- all throughout your history. Yeah. So either it's your narrative now, which is our narrative is always based on subjectivity, but also emotional facts because emotional facts are, you. <laughs> I like the Maya Angelou quote, <laughs> you get to... Um, you might not remember all the details, but you remember, you remember how people make you feel. Yeah. So I butchered that quote, of no, course, no, but I, that's the essence of the quote. Yeah. It's really good. I it's, love that quote. It's, I, yeah. There's so many fascinating threads here. My, like my wife was really big in university on a, a writer called Sarah Ahmed. Oh, I never heard of it. Uh, yeah. She wrote like, uh, emotions was her, her, that was her subject. She talked about emotions as being, you know, she used the term sticky. Uh, she's talking about intergenerational emotion. Yes. Right. And like, how do you, how do you transmit emotion yeah. uh, between family members and communities? Right. Yeah. And it's like, at the time I thought about it a lot and I, I, I bought into it as a parent, I see it more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, 
it's very low key yes the way that emotions are sort yes. of translated as sort of pathways or yes. or um you could say uh, behavioral patterns yes. maybe i guess between parents and kids and anxiety the way anxieties for example yes are sort of uh, transmitted yes. and reinforced and covid this period has been a, a spotlight i think on yes phenomenon yeah um, you're right but to return to the question of photography and sort of the contemporary like or today's sort of you know uh, dynamic um this this transition into the social media kind of uh, reality and instagram my wife and i my wife has been into photography forever wow. she did photography for you know uh, local uh, express magazine in high yeah. school she's always been more capable in photography than me by a lot for sure <laughs> like i was never a good photographer um, but i perhaps had an eye for yes fo photography yes so my wife um you know she took up instagram i guess fairly early mm -hmm. and so did i you know i have like going way back pictures of my son so that's uh, 10 years ago roughly yeah. almost yeah, yeah. already um <laughs> And it's an interesting thing because she developed, because we're intertwined in our yes. path. She developed into becoming someone on Instagram who was kind of an influential uh, element yeah. uh, in, this, in the domain of minimalism, uh, believe wow. it or not. Wow. And, and the intersection of minimalism and parenting. Yes. And this, this development, she put a lot of effort into this. She also had a website. And blog, she's a very good writer. Wow, I'm gonna go check out your wife. Yeah, you're blog. gonna. You're, I'm gonna love it. Maybe you will like to invite her to speak. Yeah, uh, she's, maybe. She's she's very different personality. Yeah. But uh, regardless, you will like her website. She she was developing uh, what I would consider and think she will consider to be an alternative to her professional career with mm. government, mm -hmm. which I think was destroying her. Yeah. Um, yes. and, and so, because she is driven, yes. uh, I think she was trying to forge an alternative pathway. Yes. Uh, she, so, so as a contrast, my wife was very professional, I would say yeah. with the way she was undertaking photography. Yeah. My approach with photography and, you know, trans tr sort of coming out of, uh, giving a, any shits about, yeah. about my own, my own depiction, you know, for the sake of sponsorship with, yeah. with skill-based writing. When you get into road, you really take a departure from any of that. Yes. Like road cycling now is about, um, it's it's about progressing through uh, yeah. results and, and yeah. capability. Again, um, it's the, the ranking on the sheet. Yeah. yeah. And it's not like whether you have photos from a race or not, uh, to me, was was only it only mattered insofar as my ability to tell a story. Mm. So from from starting road cycling, I was blogging since two thousand eight, I think, when we lived in Montreal. Wow! My I started that. My friends were in Ottawa. I had you know, so I was kind of writing for my friends about my experience. Wow! Uh, when I was in Montreal. And this still exists on the internet. Uh, and so in my, my first ever like cyclocross race experience is captured in that first blog I did. Nice. Uh, and I was a complete neophyte and I was terrible, you know, like, and I, so I, when we moved back, we started doing road riding together and stuff. Uh, and, you know, guys were older about all the injuries with mountain bike and yeah. all the different things. Yeah. And so... You know, that trajectory was about learning that craft. Mm. Uh, and it wasn't about uh, anything superficial, I, I think. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about like, 
oh, we're doing this thing. Check out how cool it looks. Yeah, like, yeah. That wasn't it at all. Yeah. And I, any photography wasn't really particularly stylized in any way. Like yeah. we were riding because we really liked riding. Um, I think the photography kind of followed along uh, as a support for the storytelling mm. that I wanted to do as I tried to kind of develop yeah. uh, my own my own voice as a cycling writer. I don't like mm-hmm. the term blogger. Yeah. Like, it just feels cheap to me. I know. I, I, I know. I, I know. have a bias against it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, of I just, course. And I think it's... Uh, some people use the term with a positive valence, like yeah. it's respectful. Mm-hmm. To me... I, I, it feels like a denigration. Of yes, I think it's the the sir probably more. It refers to probably the over uh, democratization. I have to say it in French. Yeah, same uh, word. That's it. Yeah. So it's like that. But I, it's it, sometimes at some time ago, I'll tell a story about about this because I use the term blogger with affection. Yeah. The, the way I use it is a way yeah. like which. Which in therapy makes a big difference. You can say the same thing, yeah. but nonverbal communication yeah. is different. Yeah. So I remember somebody, one of my old bosses, sorry if you're listening to this, but you're on the spotlight. I'm not giving names, but uh, ends up sitting with me and saying, yeah, you were really paternalistic with that person. Because I wanted, like, okay. uh, it was a, a yeah, female yeah, yeah. colleague and uh, I'm like, paternalistic what do, i didn't understand the word so i'm like I, i think you're insulting me right now it would often be used that way <laughs> so that's it yeah and i looked at her and she said well yeah it means like you're being a dad to someone i'm like you know what thank you for that and i thanked her for it because yeah. i'm like i'll be the first one or i'm sure i'm not the first one to re give a definition of it so it tells me the definition of a father and we were talking about like yeah the conquering nature of it. Yeah. And it seems like everything about being a guy has become almost evil-like in our day-to-day talks. Yeah. But I'm like, you know what? I grew up without a dad. Yeah. One of my key goals in life was to be a great dad. So when somebody calls me a dad, which by using the word paternalistic, yeah. I'm like, no, I actually had a good heart on this. I wanted to help that person. It's just that she has less experience. So I, yeah. I talked for her. Yeah. And she's like, okay, So in the same way, I, I love using those terms yeah. and re-giving a new definition by the way we behave. Yeah, which is absolutely appropriate, I think, Yeah. Um, because nuance matters. It does. And, and language, uh, as you will know well, language is not a static uh, no. entity, right? No, it's, it's not. It's... This is a fascinating topic, and I guess we won't go into it, but... Um, yeah, Matt, you'll, you'll have to come, and we'll do, like, a monthly thing, like, sit down with Matt and LP and just start talking about philosophy, and where psychology and the philosophy meets. I would do it. I would uh, do it. So it's, have... it's live, yeah, yeah. it's recorded now. Yeah, yeah. But I do enjoy it, so yeah. this is... Yeah, yeah, but you're right. Like, there's so many topics we could go into on this, and I love that, and thank you for bringing me back, because you sort of... Ask, you're my co-host right now. That's what I love about doing interviews. Um, but yeah, the, 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 we language, language matters. It does. So now we get back to, it's a perfect segue back to what we were just talking about around writing. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of a nerd for language. In yes. A way. I'm not into linguistics, mm-hmm. uh, the formal structure of language. Yeah. Uh, I did a course on Noam Chomsky mm-hmm. and his yeah. linguistics <laughs> yeah. and it almost killed me. <laughs> me too. It wasn't my jam. 
However, yes. respect to those who do it. Yes, okay. yes. So I'm more into uh, language as a, as the medium through which we we communicate yeah. and express creativity. Yeah. So I, I'm I, people will you know people who know me and don't know me will will say different things about me yeah. on the topic of creativity. I'm sure. Right? Uh, I like to think of myself as a creative person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, people will define that in different ways and agree and disagree. And that's okay. Which is fun, uh, actually. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. And I've done uh, a school project on this, yeah. like a full semester project on creativity. Yes. I love creativity and I where the arguing and the debate goes. And again, let's re- relink it to your driven nature. Yeah. Because a lot of driven people are creative. Because as soon as you hit a wall, and I'll call it a guidepost, because it's a wall in the beginning, yeah. and we shift. Yeah. And then we engage in this other pathway. There's a lot of people that don't realize it out there. But if you hit a wall, it might be a good thing. Yes. Greatest conversation I had was a mom in a minivan. I'm snowboarding full on, and I'm almost at the end of my amateur cycle uh, of the snowboarding part and I'm about to turn pro and this is I'm, I'm getting my invite to Mont Saint Anne so that's like the big ticket again like we were talking about results yeah. yeah and the person asked me so why are you going to university what what about snowboarding which was very kindly put very kind mom asked me in a, yeah. a minivan one time so yeah. I, kudos to that mom who asked me that question yeah. And I said, well, when I don't have my legs anymore, at least I'll still have my brain. Yeah. That was my answer then. Yeah. I was probably 18, 19. Yeah. And I knew that studying was really important. Yeah. And you probably, I mean, I'm going to guess you didn't know quite how important, nope. but at least on, on a simple, basic level, you knew yeah, that it was. I knew it because other people told me you, a little bit like you. Exactly. It's received wisdom you yeah. know, at that point. Yeah. Um, and... And you also saw that you had a capability and a capacity. That's there it. was a way. That's there it. was a way to do it. There was a way to do it. Which, you know, unfortunately, not everyone has. It's a, everything has to just line up just yes. right for a lot of people. The to, timing to is even, important to even do. Um, so, I guess on the on the matter of um, creativity and sort of voice in, in writing, uh, to, to, you know, long story short, with academic writing. I felt quite constrained, mm. which I did appreciate at the time yeah. as being necessary. Yeah. Um, it is inappropriate for an undergrad to start doing creative writing in philosophy. <laughs> yeah. So if you want so, to do creative writing, go into creating a writing class. Yes. Um, but in philosophy, you need to learn this discipline. Yes. There's specific ways you do things. Yeah. Get that under your belt. Then you do whatever that you want. And there comes your, your, I in the beginning in the lost tape with Matt Search we were talking about your two households, right? And this is the dad household right now. Yes, yes. Where the discipline, conscientiousness, lies. Yes. And the other part is the freedom, solo, uh, learning to be self-sufficient. I I love it. That's it's very astute, absolutely true. Um, this this alignment uh, is was real yes. so you have you have structure you have form yeah uh and you don't question that's it. so actually within within this system of 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 philosophical 
analysis, analysis, exegesis, writing, etc. Yeah. Uh, there are rules, and you play by the rules, or mm-hmm. you fail. That's it. Do it like this is this is you doing the the body of work, yes. the foundational work. Yes, and then you can make a contribution maybe mm-hmm. later. Yeah, that's novel. Yeah, that that's the novelty is later. It's not now when you don't even know your head from a hole. Of course, know, your butt, right? So everything is novel when in, when yeah. you're undergrad. Exactly, everything is novel because you are learning. Yeah. So I, I, I understood that, uh, I, I dug in, I worked very hard through, through all of that. And I was looking for opportunities to be mm. creative. And there were, even with those bounds, there were opportunities to be creative with your thinking. <laughs> for sure, there yeah, were. It's just, course. you need to do the work yeah. to get to that understanding. Yes. Okay. And then after undergrad to do my master's degree, but I also toward the end doing grad courses in my last year and that kind of thing. Um, I saw the, the, the realm of possibility around creative combinations yes. of different um, work. Yes. Right. So in my thesis, I was extremely um, heartened yeah. to have the opportunity to bring different strains of thought together into one place in a way that was novel. And <laughs> I was like, I, I love was, that. I was, I, given credit for doing that work that was a contribution actually to the to the discipline okay great um but it was very satisfying to be mm. able to bring these different strains mm. together some phenomenology of time yeah. which was obscure but really really interesting and made <laughs> yes. interesting i yes. believe yes i agree uh, and then photography and ethics and stuff so this was stuff that was relevant mm. to me in terms of understanding my life the world um, and how people relate to each other in, in that, in that era, it's even maybe more salient now, maybe not. I think it depends on who you ask, but, um, and, and most of the things are this way. It it, it always depends who you ask. Like, like I think sometimes in psychotherapy, we tend to, sorry, I'll make noise in a little bit, but we tend to use those very intelligent words that are distant for only intellectuals yeah and we pretend like we are treating people i'm sorry if i'm uh, i'm sorry to my mentors and everyone who contributed to me saying this but one of my mentors would probably agree with me right now that sometimes we forget that the people we help in psychotherapy they're not necessarily looking for that looking to write the next thesis so we use words they're, they never heard, they will never use again, unless they're asked specifically for this. Yeah. So one of the things is the interface where um, I like to condense stuff. I don't oversimplify because I think the nuances are important. Yeah. But the, you have nuances in common words. Yeah. If you cannot explain to someone psychotherapy in a way that the person understands, how are they going to accept that that's a... Uh, validated way of treatment philosophy it, it tends to it can be lowbrow or eyebrow yeah. a little bit sometimes yeah so i feel like photography in a way that's how i resonate to it it's a way to communicate complex concepts even though it's not permanent and we talked about a little bit the existential aspect of it i know sometimes we use photography sort of to leave our mark leave our legacy but that photo gets dissipated in the waves of photos. Like Instagram is like, woof, you flip it and then you're done. It's short-term attention. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and to, to, to jump off on that again, yeah. with with the Instagram medium, you know, I'm I'm kind of pulled in different directions. Yeah. Um, because I have partnerships with a number of companies. Yes. And that I feel good about. Yes. There's a long there's a history to each of them. Yeah. And it's actually about relationships between people. Mm-hmm. Uh, first. Yes. It's it's not about product. <laughs> It's about, it was a product was the way, the mm-hmm. catalyst, sort of like yeah. that's the way into the, the conversations. Um, but the reason why I maintain these relationships is because I feel good about what they bring yes. to totally. the, the, the industry yep. and how they do it. Yeah. Um, and as long as I feel good about that, then I'll want to maintain the relationship. If the people behind uh, the brand yeah. shift and are different kinds of people with different kinds of priorities, yeah. then that can dissolve. Yeah. Right? So if it's profit, uh, just profit, and that's it at any cost, well, I'll see you later. Yeah. Right. Um, if it's sort of product first, quality first, yeah. Uh, and and with the kind of ethics that that are that were aligned, yeah. Um, then that that's the stuff of of a of a relationship that I'll want to maintain. Um, so. They, however, are, are operating in a world that is um, aesthetic. Yep. When it comes to marketing. Yes. And and it's of course. And they they only have so many metrics to rely on. Yep. Uh, to determine ROI, return yep. on investment. Yeah. Right. So they 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 spend very little in terms of product that that they give to me to mm-hmm. use to enable what I what I do and yeah. talk about things the way I do. Yeah. Um. But at the same time, they rely on these basic metrics, right? Of course. Uh. And so. I, I, I need to provide to them the stuff that they need for their marketing. That's the means that means to an end right. part. Uh, Instagram is neutral. Yeah. It's neutral. Yeah. Everything like this phone thing that I have in my hand right now. Yeah. I, I, I like if we were on the screen, I would use a screen and show it. But with my clients, I'm like a lot of them like they get lost in a rabbit hole on their phone and then they end up not sleeping and th- yeah. that has repercussions. Yeah. Anyways. I sit down with them and I showed them the phone and I asked them, is this positive or negative? And most of the time the answer is, oh, it's negative. Because I, I spend too much time on Facebook. I spend too much time on Instagram. Sure. I spend too much time. Okay. It's neutral. Yeah. It's neutral. What you put in it makes a big difference. So therefore the notion of choice, at least influence choice, yeah. gets sort of talked about at this point. And I know that's one subject that you're interested in it's as well. Big time, and so yeah. <laughs> so I might open like a big philosophy, uh, and, and 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 you know maybe in a future episode, yeah, we will have to focus on the philosophy of technology. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm with you. I mean that the technology is neutral. Uh, it it doesn't really it doesn't do anything. No. Per se, it's the valence that we put on it and the way that we engage the thing, right? Yeah. Um, with with the the, the Instagram platform in relation to cycling i think if if there's anything i'm trying to do trying to achieve i have an agenda of course and and my agenda actually is to share like i want more people to experience cycling Mm. in the richness Mm. that that i experience it yeah because i i acknowledge the contribution that makes to my overall well-being and and health and ability to contribute to the world in a positive way Yes. That sounds like a totally like self-aggrandizing um, <laughs> statement to, to, to me. Like yeah. I sound like, wow, you really think you're, 
Like, I, Actually, I disagree with you on this. So, I think we need to... Humility is not accepting only like the bad stuff in us. Humility is accepting our strengths and weaknesses. Yeah. Accepting the full package. That's humility. Um, the other one is a narcissism. When we actually avoid our strengths just to be humble, not even humble bragging. It's like hide a good part of us. That's fascinating. So we get to be accepted by people. Yeah. It means that we think that this is so big that we don't talk about it. Interesting. Yeah. It's so big that we don't talk about it. So we hide. So it, it, some people call that shame, self-attack, whatever. But the thing is, it's a form of... Because we think narcissism is always this big thing, it's inflated. It's actually a, a DSM <laughs> diagnostic thing. It's a very suffering thing. It's people who don't go to therapy most of the time. Yeah. And I've helped people with this. And once they sort of understand and build a, a more steady sense of self... We realize that you've got strengths, but you're, you tend to tell people about strengths, but you self-hate. Interesting. That's, that's it, really, that's, it, I like this nuance. It's very interesting. It's a very important nuance yeah. as well, because yeah. we use narcissism for boasting. Yeah. That's what we mean by it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to boast. Yeah. But in fact, we're, when we boast, it's not necessarily narcissism. It's, our narcissism is a very serious yeah. mental health issue. Yeah. It's, it's a very suffering mental health issue because yeah. I don't only limit my empathy for people I like or I don't like. Greatest advice I've ever had in therapy is don't love your clients, don't hate your clients. The nuance is those are both polars opposite. Mm -hmm. It's the middle and you yeah. like your clients, likability. Yeah. I love it in English because in English there's like and love. In French there's only love, j'aime. Yeah. But there's different kinds of it. Yeah. But anyways, to come back to that, yeah. if you talk about the strengths of it, it's okay. Yeah. It's actually vulnerable to say, yeah. I am good at something. Well, I can tell you, my wife will tell you the same thing. I've been, I've been practicing that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, I, I, you know, I, I think about, you know, the things I say at home about what I do Mm -hmm. versus what I would say outside the home. They're not really that different. No. Uh, and I, I do, like I am, I, I know that I'm, uh, in, in athletics, I'm not the most talented. Mm. I'm not the most skilled. I never have been in yeah. any sport I've done. Yes. I've always had to work really hard, um, which is okay, because that's my disposition. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a kind of person I am. That's I it. like doing that. If it's fun, I yeah. do sports that are fun for me. Yeah. Not because I, I was tested and they told me I'm good. That's it. So I like to do the hard work because it's fun. And so I find a way to make, to just do what's fun a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I don't, you know, it's like I haven't really done tons of conventional training. I don't use power meters mm -hmm. on my bikes. I have only power on the trainer in the winter and I'm a little unconventional in that way. There's yeah. a lot of reasons for that. And I'm sure we can talk about we this. We can talk about, you know, but... But, um, but you know what? You must be... Like, each winter where I, where I plug into my trainer, I'm surprised at the, the power output. Like, there's surprises all the time in this. It's like this um, area of establishing criteria almost because a lot of people check that out. It's, yeah. not, it's like almost a status sometimes in cycling. Like, how much power can you give? How much power output you can you sustain for long periods of time and then i get on 
the trainer in the winter and it's like, oh, because I don't use a power meter as well. And it's like, I'm sort of surprised at that metric, but it's, I feel like it's a whole other arena in cycling that I don't explore because, but I see I'm, I'm on the outside looking in on this. I feel like that yeah. each winter, every time I plug into the, the machine there. It's interesting. It's a, it's a fascinating dynamic, right? Uh, mm -hmm. There's a lot of perspectives on power yeah. Yeah. metrics in cycling. Uh, I feel often like I'm kind of a, uh, an old man in perspective on this because I have a very old school one. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, f I, my, my angle is, and this is nice because it, it links to phenomenology and, yep. and, and other disciplines that we're interested in folks are interested in. It's like the, the primary orientation to cycling, why you do it is going to drive the tools that you adopt. To yes, some degree, it totally. won't be, it's, not so good. it's not deterministic, but mm -hmm. they're implicated. So what I, I it might not be in, uh, deterministic, but it's an interactive uh, for sure, for sure. Cause they're like the young writers are, are the young writers now are being effectively marketed to, mm -hmm. uh, and there's the writers around them are sort of, you could say complicit in that market yeah. because they've bought the, they've, they've, they've consumed the Kool-Aid. Yeah. Right. And so now the dynamic is serious cycling is quantified through power measurement yeah, yeah. Uh, period and so that's it's okay there's a the legitimacy to that yes. tool, the use of the tool but tools need to serve our purposes mm -hmm. versus us serving the their tool. purposes yeah right so that's again then we have to another conversation on philosophy <laughs> of technology right so once you um once you unlock the genie yeah you know, the genie's out of the bottle yeah you can't really you know turn back yeah you know that's now part of the system right yeah, um, yeah but that's true for for me with 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 power in that again my orientation has always been i love cycling as an experience like an embodied experience the way so many like the sensations mm -hmm. are some of the sensations in cycling are just incredibly mm -hmm. awesome yeah and a lot of <laughs> totally. that has to do with sort of weightlessness yes um the, the pressure of g-force and things yeah. and turns yeah like the they're, they're the same kinds of feelings you get in other speed sports yes and in snowboarding and any kind of snowboarding you'll get it and skiing and car racing and all those things your body is getting shifted around through space and time and it feels really cool and it's yeah. very different from the rest of life you're so right to somebody like me I don't know what it's like to be somebody else. So somebody, so for me, that experience feels a lot of the time like actual living. Yes. And so I have this bias. Like I'm, I'm kind of wired. Like the normal life often for me has felt like really boring. Mm. And cycling has felt like real life. Mm. Like now I'm actually, this is why I exist. Yes. Is to do things like this in the real world. Yes. Um, because I feel like the, the modern sort of our modern Western existence is superficial in yes. so many ways. Yes. We have all these totally supports, agree. all and these supports, life supports that's it. and conveniences that I actually, you know, on a certain level think are just bullshit. Yeah. I think it's like, this is, and, and people have been sort of led to believe this is the real stuff of life. Yeah. And then they're in a situation where you're in what I call the real world. Yeah. yeah but I, with it's caveated, the natural world, we can say. Yeah. And, and they have no means to survive. Yes. And so something goes, you know, car breaks down, it's winter, 
Well, while they were going from the garage to the mall, they didn't bring a jacket, mm-hmm. you know? And as a parent, <laughs> when you have to bring up kids, you have to, you have to teach them, yes. right? What do you have to be prepared for? Yeah. Because like the ideal reality you conjure in your mind of how things are going to go yeah. and how things are actually maybe going to go, there's all these scenarios. Mm-hmm. There's going to be some real stuff in there mm-hmm. where, Hey, by the way, you might freeze to death because you decided to go to the mall in February without a jacket mm-hmm. and your car broke down yeah. and, and you didn't know what to do and your phone broke and, and now you're dead or whatever. You lose five fingers. Yes. You know, like I have a, the an amount ounce. of suffering that's linked to it. Exactly. For yeah. based on like just simple decisions and, and that's that bias, that bias is based on that experience that, you know, that set of experience we talked about previously being a kid mountain biking by them by myself, yeah. having been in scouts and doing winter camping and yeah. having waking up in the middle of the night <laughs> and thinking I was going to die yeah. and making a fire and sitting by the fire for the rest of the night yeah. so that I didn't freeze to death. Yeah. Like that's stuff that happened. Yeah. And so now I look at these other kind of realities and go, you know, that's not, that's mm. not part of reality, but it isn't really reality. Yeah. That's you know? our overgeneralization of our yeah. experience right there. Right. So there's more to this than you're factoring. Yeah. Um, and so cycling feels more real yeah. to me. Yeah. Um, like the, the moving through time and actually having actual risk mm-hmm. that I have to manage. Yes. Uh, and, and using my experience to do that and make good decisions. Right. And always be learning. But at the same time. That sounds really hardcore, yeah. but at the same time, it's a beautiful experience. It is. The way we are fortunate to be able to do it. Here. Yep. Not everywhere is the same. Nope. But here, a lot of the time, it's beautiful. Yeah. And it's beautiful every uh, season, season of the year. Oh man, what an episode with Matt Surge. Uh, guys, I, I don't know if you're like me, but I love hearing... Um, wise people driven people share about their experience and i love the cheat sheets we get to have um, by us listening to um, their experience and how it can be a wealth uh, of wisdom for us Uh, those interested in looking matt up he's on instagram at cyclosomatic and for those interested in looking me up you can look me up on instagram as well at lplandry underscore overcome cafe i'm your host LP Landry and thank you so much for listening.